Live opinions, descriptions, and accounts expressed on the Best of Times Radio Hour are those of the hosts and the guests of this show, and not necessarily those of Town Square Media or this station. Consult with your attorney, accountant, or other professional for final advice in making your decision. The Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity. Helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The best of times. Your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning in to our show today. In just a few minutes, we're going to discuss elder care and the challenges in managing medications. So stay tuned to the show for some very beneficial information for you and your loved once. It is Saturday, August the 27th, and we are broadcasting our radio show today from the, new, from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the August issue of the Best of Times at one of our 522 distribution locations. Also, the September issue of the Best of Times will be coming out on September the 1st. If you are unable to find a copy, remember you can log on to our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view current and past issues. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears, Sending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Kaligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A Bears, Tending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Kaligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show is a very special guest, is Dr. Elizabeth Landsvert, who is the founder of Elder Consult Geriatric Pack practice and she's going to be discussing elder care and the challenges of managing medication so thank you doctor for joining us today here on the best of times radio hour oh well thank you gary i'm delighted to be here uh let's tell our listeners a little bit about you you're the founder of elder consult geriatric medicine it's uh i I want want to elaborate on this one a house calls practice in the in the san francisco area. wonderful area love to visit it one of my Best places in the whole United States. Um, so you've been you're a board certified internal medicine physician, geriatric medicine, palliative care, and uh, of course you're uh, a clinical professor at Stanford uh, in your area. And I will give this information uh, a website. She has a website at www.elderconsult.com. So your practice does house calls. Correct. Awesome. Uh, I don't know if you know my background is home health. I'm a home health administrator in the past, many years ago, and also a Medicare reviewer and an investigator um, many years before that. And But I do advocate. I'm glad to see more and more physicians and, and home care increasing in the area, making, making those important house calls. Well, there's a, a lot of elders that can't get out to the doctor. They can't or won't. Um, I actually often get uh, brought in for the most complicated medical and behavioral situations. And there's a lot of folks who just think they don't need a doctor. They won't let a doctor in. (laughs) 
and that's when they bring in Elizabeth, the geriatrician, which sounds oh. like dietitian, and so <laughs> they let me in the door. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Well, again, I give you kudos for doing that, and hopefully it'll spread more and more throughout the United States and other parts of the world. But uh, in our neck of the woods, it's not as extensive. Uh, there are a couple of them that are doing it, but still... Um, transportation to that, those particular clinics is still being done. Okay, but let's get about the topic at hand. We're talking about challenges in managing medicine. So what do you feel is the biggest challenge for seniors in, in their quest to manage their medications? You know, I think that these days, I've been in medicine for over 20 years, and we have developed extensive treatments for diabetes, for heart disease, um, and what often happens is, particularly if you have someone who's in their 70s or 80s, they start to have a number of chronic medical illnesses, and for each chronic illness, you might have three to five medications, and so it's not unusual for some elders to end up with more than 12 medications, which causes all sorts of problems. Uh, the more medications you take, the more likely they're going to uh, have detrimental interactions with each other. I also see that as we age, elders, you know, don't eat as much. They start to lose a little weight. You know, the blood pressure medication that they needed before to keep their blood pressure under 140. And now they're saying for folks who are in their late 80s and 90s that you shouldn't treat the blood pressure more than keeping it just around 150 standing um, so they don't rock out their blood pressure and faint, um, that what had worked for their medication 10, 20 years ago you know, has is now too much. So the blood pressure medication, which kept it in a good range, 130 to 140, now has gotten their blood, uh, reduced their blood pressure to like 100, and so when they stand up, they might get dizzy and fall. Similarly with diabetes pills, it may be that they needed it to keep it in range, but now they're not eating as much, they don't weigh as much, and their blood sugar can go dangerously low. So those are some of the uh, concerns. And just managing a large number of medications gets confusing. It, it does get it. Being a, a senior or elder person like that that's only taking three, it's even challenging monitoring three medications rather than, I mean, uh, I agree with you. There's some some seniors out there that are taking 12. The, uh, I know of some individuals taking 25 to 30 prescription medicines a day, and I always question them, are you coordinating this with your doctors? And some, sometimes they look at me like, why? You know, and, and t I want you to tell them why in a minute. Going going back on a quick tangent here, you you teach at the medical school. So is the new norm now on the medical students is to tell them less is best rather than just go ahead and prescribe a a, uh, a medication to help cure those particular chronic or those those problems that might occur real quickly? That hey, take the pill and we're gonna, hopefully it'll cure it. Well, uh, thanks for the opportunity to clarify. So I'm an adjunct professor at Stanford. Um, I was an assistant professor at UCSF. Uh, and at UCSF, we would have uh, the residents rotate through the geriatric division for a month uh, out of their whole three-year residency. And we did get to instruct them about, you know, the... The challenges of too many medications and what medications can interact poorly with each other. Um, 
but there's not a big push, I would say, that I've seen um, overall. Uh, I think there's a lot of academic uh, training that still focuses on the specialties. So what I see out in the community is that uh, once a specialist put on a medication, that medication stays for forever um, unless a specialist chooses to take it off. And I am hoping that the primary care doctor can feel more empowered to say, well, you know, I don't know that we really need this ladder pill anymore or that we need this heart rhythm pill. Let me call the cardiologist. Um, however, these days with the changes in Medicare, I think you know, the primary care docs are under some pressure, and I'm not sure that they have time for all that. Well, the, the other question I have is the, the uh, coordination of all those medications that may be ordered by a person's one or more physicians that he or she may be seeing. And we hope they all communicate or their nursing staff or their offices, but sometimes they don't, right? Uh, you know, sometimes it gets complicated. The, the primary care, that is their duty, um, and in our practice, we make sure any time that someone goes to the hospital, we call the ER, we speak to the hospital doctor, and we coordinate them coming back. Often when folks go to the hospital, they change all the medications again. And so it gets even more confusing for the elder. Um, and I think it's, it's just kind of a, a moving target. The, the one piece that I haven't uh, mentioned that is huge is the over-the-counter medications. Folks <laughs> taking things over-the-counter because they think it is safer. Uh, I was chagrined to find my own father was taking Tylenol PM. And for particularly elders, uh, anything that's anticholinergic, uh, which what, means, what does that mean? Tell her, yeah. I, I was going to say, so choline is what the nerves use to talk to each other, and anticholinergic decreases that and makes it so people can be more confused and agitated. And particularly as folks get older and more frail and with dementia, uh, something like Tylenol PM, Unisom, which seems to be more gentle because it's over-the-counter, can be devastating. Mm. It can make them really agitated, confused, uh, as well as being constipated with dry mouth. And, and explained, I had one person tell me that um, they, they take that, and they said, that well, that helps me go to sleep. That's why they call it PM. Is that, is that why the PM is added to that, those, those well, over-the-counter drugs? Right. So the PM is diphenhydramine or Benadryl. Oh, so okay. I have, I would say my go-to medication for elders mm -hmm. um, often is just one long-acting Tylenol uh, at breakfast and dinner, um, I, particularly when folks have dementia, they can't communicate as well, and they're irritable. You know, it may be that they can't tell you that their you know back is hurting or their knee arthritis is acting up, and they they can't remember that they were taking a leave for that. But they're irritable, and if you relieve the pain with something like Tylenol, you know that uh, might make them feel better and be less agitated, it might help them sleep better, but definitely stay away from the Unisom, um, the Benadryl, 
I would also say watch out for Sudafed. As we get older, we have less reserve and we're more affected by the medications. Um, so things like uh, Sudafed can be problematic. And we have to watch out for those things that we don't really think of as medicines, but really are. Things like caffeine. You know, if you have even a cup of coffee, it might make you not sleep at night. And then if you go to the doctor, the doctor will give you a sleeping pill. But for elders particularly, they're very sensitive to the uh, effects of sleeping pills, even Ambien, um, Restoril. I, I actually don't prescribe any sleeping pills. I don't prescribe any medications in the benzodiazepine family, or that's the one with the Xanax, Ativan, Valium, because it can make them more confused. It can make them definitely addicted. It can make them more irritable. And then if they stop it abruptly, it can make them more confused and irritable from the withdrawal. So I've found that there are definitely better ways to approach it. Okay, I want you to discuss a little bit about pain because majority of my fellow mature adults out there tell me they have all sorts of pain from their golf playing, tennis playing, uh, working in the yard, and they, 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 they take a variety of pain medications, and some of them, I'm personally thinking that they're overindulging in pain medications. <laughs> so what is your advice about uh, solving the pain problem? You know, this is it's a very interesting question, particularly in the last six months. I usually give talks about treating agitation and dementia, and there's a lot of controversy about antipsychotic use and other medications. And so I was asked uh, by the Alzheimer's Association to give a talk on treating pain, and I was thinking, oh, great, there's no controversy here. Mm-hmm. And then the CDC came out and uh, proclaimed that uh, opiates, narcotics, should not be used for chronic pain. Um, I had done my residency at a public hospital, a small Harvard hospital in Boston, uh, Cambridge Hospital, and we took care of all the addicts. I really, you know, got frustrated with IV drug abusers and people drug seeking, so it's not like I don't know that these medications can be mismanaged and misused. I would say... What I was taught when I did my geriatric fellowship at Mount Sinai um, Medical Center in New York City was particularly for elders. We want to start um, with the more gentle medications. Uh, So again, going back to long-acting Tylenol, the reason the long-acting is important is because it lasts maybe about six hours, and so you can take it less often um, rather than the Tylenol, uh, the regular Tylenol. So if you try that first, that and you do that every day as opposed to only when you need it, that might help with pain. So there was a big push from the National Safety Council saying, oh, well, opiates should never be used. Let's use non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. That's the category with the Motrin, the Aleve. And here I'm using the brand names because that's what people are more familiar with, but that's really ibuprofen and um, naproxen. So those medications, I mean, I've got to say, if I have a headache or my neck hurts, I like my Motrin. But for elder folks, they are actually dangerous. They are in the beers list, and the beers list that you all should know about is a list of medications that can are potentially harmful when used in elders. Uh, you can just Google beers list, and you should be able to how find do you, that. Actually, how do you spell that? Oh, like like the drink. Oh, B E R 
B-E-E-R. So you can also, I think it's also on my website, elderconsult.com. Okay. I know that we were have it, putting that in as one of our resources. But the reason that it's, it can be dangerous is that it can, most of the non-steroidals can give a GI bleed, except for Celebrex, which is in the category that's protecting the stomach. But they all can give hypertension. They can make you retain fluid and make heart failure worse. And more recently, they found that they increase the risk of heart attacks and strokes. Well, you know, it sounds nice not taking opiates but um, for more severe pain. But these are really not safer. So what I was trained to do was to do a stepwise um, uh, approach to treating pain. The Tylenol was the first. And then we were taught to go to Vicodin or out where we are. We don't have Vicodin. We have Norco now, which is hydrocodone uh, mixed with uh, acetaminophen or Tylenol. And you have to be careful because you can uh, get in trouble with too much Tylenol. You know, they say you shouldn't have more than 4,000 milligrams a day. I say you shouldn't uh, use more than 3,000, but I rarely give more than three. 650 milligram tablets, so I don't give more than 2,000. So you have to add up how much Tylenol is from your regular Tylenol and how much is from your Norco and your Vicodin uh, and not go over like 2,000 a day is what I, I think is safe. We'll be right. Let me let, let me interrupt. We'll be right back with more information. Okay. But now, word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears, Sunny Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Kaligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by A Bears, any country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Kaligas, so thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show is a very special guest, is Dr. Elizabeth Landsberg, who is the founder of Elder Consult Geriatric Practice, and she is discussing elder care and the challenging problem of managing medication. So, Doctor, this, this has been quite interesting so far. I've learned a lot of new things in myself. I'm taking lots of notes. I know all my listeners out there are doing that as well. So, you've discussed a very interesting. We need to go to her website at elderconsult.com, and she has a listing which she calls the B-E-E-R list. Explain what that beer list means. Uh, so the beers list is a list of medications that are potentially harmful for elders. You know, it may be something that uh, a younger adult might take without uh, serious consequences. But I think uh, I need to make clear that as we get older, our reserves are uh, decreased. Our kidney and our livers don't usually function as well as they did to clear the drugs. And our... Um, metabolism changes and our fat content changes so we have to be more careful of the medications we use I would also say on the website I have uh, a section called community chat where you can pose a question to me and I will answer it you know I'm aiming to answer it within a day or two uh, because I just want to get some more of the information out there um, I, I know I've, I spent a lot of time speaking about the pain meds, but I think that that was uh, an area that there's a lot of confusion 
Um, and I wonder if I could circle back in, in a bit to just explain just the last bit about uh, treating pain because what I'm seeing out where I am, and you know, your doctors might do it differently, is that elders are not getting severe pain treated. Not not getting severe pain. That's interesting. Why, why is that? Well, so to just to recap, um, there's a push to decrease the use of narcotics and opiates. I mean, it, there's a horrible opiate epidemic. And I am very, I, when I was in uh, general practice, general internal medicine, I would be very careful about who I gave narcotics to. You know, a younger person with back pain, I would not give them narcotics. I'd probably give them Motrin and heat and physical therapy. When you get to elders, as I had mentioned, they don't tolerate the Motrin, the Naproxen so well. There's severe side effects of hypertension, heart failure, kidney failure, heart attack, strokes. So what they suggest to do is if the Tylenol doesn't work, to go to uh, something like Norco. Um, it's anecdotally, I use something called gabapentin, which can help with nerve pain and muscle delta pain. There's a number of orthopedists that use it. That's not as well proven. But the Norco, for a number of elders, can help take the edge off the muscle skeletal pain. And often, we use very small doses, like a half a tablet of the smallest dose two or three times a day. So the studies for the CDC that said, you know, elders get in a lot of trouble um, used 40 to 50 milligrams of morphine a day, which I've been a hospice medical director. I would say even for those folks on hospice, I'd say less than 10% of my patients um, ever got that much morphine. Wow. That said, there's some elders that can't handle it. My friend's mother has back pain, and she's given, you know, the Norco, and she gobbles it like m and mm. So <laughs> you have to watch out about, you know, is someone going through too much medication? How do you know too much is, you know, the right amount? Um, I take care of a lot of folks with dementia, and what I'm seeing here is uh, in the last week I've had two ladies with compression fractures and there is a huge um, hesitation to give narcotics from the emergency room now. So these little ladies both had vertebral compression fractures, made it very difficult for them to walk, made them uncomfortable in any position, and they were both sent out of the emergency room with Tylenol as needed. <laughs> and, you know, I had to, I was called a couple days later because I had to take care of their medications. And I think it is really important that um, someone who needs these serious pain medications is monitored closely um, because there's, with the narcotics, you can relieve pain, but you can also get severe constipation. And I've uh, known several family members who have gotten such bad constipation that they're perforated their bowel and had to have wow. you know part of their intestine removed so it can be serious but if you take the bowel meds with the narcotics you're much less likely to get in trouble so i think there's a lot of fear of narcotics and i agree that you should not give them to people who have an increased risk of abuse and when i was a hospice medical director if I had someone on hospice and I knew that there was someone in the house who was likely to use those drugs, we wouldn't give them. We would wait 
And the day of, if that, you know, we would get the narcotics the day of, and then we would try and control them and keep them away from the people who might abuse them. But that is a very small portion of the elder population. True. Okay, let, let's talk about a very interesting topic that I think all of my listeners would love to hear is about, and probably aware of, but their family members and their caregivers need to be aware of this. According to recent statistics, over 125,000 people die every year from failure to take their medications properly. Explain that to our listeners. You know, that's a, that is a challenging area. As we said, you know, the, the increased number of medications that you have, the more likely things are going to get confused. <laughs> I've seen some elders where they've done their own pillboxes, and if their memories aren't uh, doing so well, they might forget some days. They might double up on other days. True. They might, you know, not take their pills at the right time. They might take too much. And it it is dangerous. Uh, that's you, on top. Yeah. Have you found that some certain elderly people that you deal with and others that are afraid to ask the physician or nurse or pharmacist to explain to them what what is meant by the prescription dosage? You know, explain to me. I, I've had several that I've been waited in line to get my scripts where the the lady or gentleman don't understand what they're taking and how to take it. You know, it, that part, um, Is it the obligation I, of the physician, the pharmacist, or to, to get a feedback from the individual, the family members, to right. understand what three times a day mean? I mean, I, I've, I've known you a know, few, you know, that, that could be so variable to certain, certain physicians, I mean, certain patients that are taking it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, I actually, since I take care of mainly folks with de- dementia, I, I realize I'm one of these doctors who say, when I say three times a day, you know what I mean. <laughs> so uh, I think I may be as guilty as the rest, but I assume, you know, that what I uh, said was understood. And sometimes it's not. Um, I think sometimes, you know, the, the question of what's as needed, you know, what's, it's very subjective about what is needed. Mm-hmm. Um right. We try and keep it really simple. You know, I really try and keep it to, you know, a, a dose of medication in the morning and a dose of medication at dinner time and, or, or, or well, in the evening and, and be done. Well, I hope that physicians will explain to the pharmacist to put it on whenever they put the script on the bottle or give the instructions that sometimes are dissertations, that they put it in simple English and understand and not mm. use too much legal, I mean legal, medical jargon in there that, right. that some elders and some seniors and even moi here doesn't understand some of these new new uh, phrases. Sometimes I have to either call or look it up or uh, ask my son. So, uh, I mean, it's it's as simple as take with food. I had one senior that said, what does that mean, a cracker or a full meal? Ah, uh, gotcha. You know, gotcha. it's the clarification that sometimes uh, a few of them think, well, I'll just take a, I'll take a few M&Ms and I'll take my pills. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. Is that food, Doc? You know, that's, I'm, just, I'm just giving you some actually why some of those, sometimes those medication issues come up, problems come up and serious consequences because I think there's a lack of understanding on both parts, both, both the, the patient and even the care, caregiver or the family member says, well, Mom, just take a cracker, uh, you know, when it probably needs a full meal or take with water, et cetera. Uh, and, you know, like the, like the item could cause dizziness. Well, could is 
could uh, win. Uh, immediately when I take the pill, uh, one person asked ask a, a physician friend of mine about a new medication. Well, it, you know, it depends. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, know uh, those consequences are, could be serious, right? They, medication. They definitely, right. They could be serious. I think, you know, the, the medications I think are a little bit more difficult to explain are for treating osteoporosis. And I'm going to put a oh. quick plug in, you know. Older women, and I'm just about there, women over the age of 65, should be screened for osteoporosis. We often don't get enough vitamin D and calcium, so we should probably have a 1,000 units of vitamin D. We should probably have 500 milligrams of calcium a couple times a day. And if you do have osteoporosis, I just just mentioned in the last week, I've had two um, elderly women who have had compression fractures are in horrible pain and is causing horrible complications. I think uh-huh. osteoporosis should be screened for and treated. The treatment is a little complicated because the treatment there would be Fosamax, which, right. you know, if you talk about complicated instructions, you have to take it with a full glass of cold water 30 minutes before breakfast, and you have to sit up for that time. That's a lot to remember for one pill. That is true. That is true. And, that, and that's why the the... the, the uh, reminding the reminders by both family caregivers as well as the family members uh, to the patient about these particular and one one important aspect I wanted wanted you to Claire really emphasize is I hear that several of my my readers out there and listeners tell me well Gary I forgot to take my pills or I forgot to take my blood pressure pill so I just took like you know four in a, four in a row because I forgot four days to take my blood pressure medicine okay. explain to them the consequences of that and that's probably why some of them get admitted to ER right well so so right you have to be very careful when you double up I think the blood pressure pills and the diabetes pills are the most serious in this category particularly the diabetes pills if you um, can't, um, excuse me, if you don't take your blood sugar pill, which lowers your blood sugar in the morning, but then you decide to take it with the evening one, you might drop your blood sugar in the middle of the night when you're asleep, and that could be dangerous. Wow. You could end up having a seizure. You could, you know, have cardiac events. Um, so you, it, the timing really makes a difference. If you double up on your blood pressure pills, it may be that um, it may be that your blood pressure drops too much, and so it's important that you just call your doctor's office and then say, "What should I do?" They should be able to guide you. And and yeah, that's the important thing. Pick up the call. Pick up the phone and call. Um, it's better to get a professional to give those particular answers rather than make the assumption and then later on have the serious consequences. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with more information. But now what from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible? You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, probably presented by A Bears Tunning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, probably presented by A Bears, Tenning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is Dr. Elizabeth Landsberg, who is the founder of Elder Consort Geriatric Practice, and she is discussing elder care and the challenges of managing medications. So thank you, doctor, for joining us today here on the best of times radio hour. 
Thank you, Gary. Well, this has been quite fascinating. I've got so many questions to ask you. We may have to bring you um, back again here on the radio. So we only have about 10 minutes left in this particular segment. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think that one aspect that you should probably discuss a little is the the family members you deal you're you're a hospice really dealing with hospice individuals and the family caregiver needs to be cognizant of the fact of what that particular person that they're caring for is taking in medication isn't wouldn't you agree to that oh definitely because sometimes they try to hide what they're taking either they're over the counter I call it under the counter over the counter and of their of their own sons, daughters, and relatives. And that's that's sad, and that's why sometimes complications and serious complications occur, right? Uh, I, I would say so. So you're saying that they take some of the medications from their hospice? Well, I'm just telling they're taking, they're taking, they're, they, they, they're not aware or they're taking some of that critical medications from mom, dad, grandpa, grandpa. That could be, could be kids, grandkids, whatever. That could be part of it. But the other aspect is uh, the, 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 the family members may not even know what they're taking to help them resolve about, uh, about managing, about proper pill, uh, 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 management of their pill boxes, et cetera, for them. Well, that is definitely true. There's some serious uh, medications used in hospice. One of them is the morphine, uh, right. which is crucial. What I, I mean, what I often hear is like, "Oh, I don't want to give, you know, Grandma the morphine because I don't want her to get addicted." Well, you know, if you're on hospice, you're not likely to live more than six months, and it is uh, an important tool to help for comfort. Um, I would say that you can overdo it. I've seen situations where a little lady who was agitated was given five milligrams of morphine because she was agitated, you know, not because she had pain, and she was asleep for a day. So I told them not to do that again, and I came back the next week, and they'd given her a milligram of Ativan just to kind of quiet, you know, sedate her, and that put her out for a day, and that's not the right use of them. Um, there's also serious medications such as atropine. Um, the atropine it dries secretions for the quote death rattle. Is that when you come, you know, to the end stage or active death, it, the death rattle doesn't hurt the person dying, but it's kind of unnerving to the family members. But if you use that too soon, that's very anticholinergic and makes people very confused and agitated. Mm, how, how sad that could that be if you take it too early? Well, the other thing is importance of your, you see patients all the time is hopefully they either bring all their prescriptions and even their over-the-counter um, medications and, and additives. And, you know, that I, I tell individuals, at least have a list. If you don't want to make the list for the family member, you know, bring the bottles, right? Yes, oh, Definitely. And, and, and bring all the over-the-counter medications. And and the other, we I had a, a lengthy discussion of a person on my show a few weeks ago about disposal of medicines. I uh, visited a friend of mine, elderly 
a reader, that she must have kept every prescription bottle that she had <laughs> for 20 years. She had her medicine cabinet and storage in her um, in her bathroom was overwhelmingly. And I said, ma'am, you need to get rid of some of these. I don't think they're good back in 2001. Uh, I said, well, you never know. I may need that. I said, well, let's hope not. Right? So, the, you know, right. medications do have uh, limitations about how long they last. Isn't that right, Doc? They do. You definitely want to pay attention to the expiration date. You know, you can go a couple months over that, but not several years. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone into someone's home and we go to their medicine cabinet and get rid of all the old medications because particularly elders, you know, their memory and their judgment can decrease somewhat and they can get themselves in a lot of trouble kind of taking something that was for a problem they had two years ago, but not now. Or they might think, oh, well, I think this might help me. <laughs> and you can get into a lot of trouble that way. Well, do you do you advise a person to try to use for their loved one one pharmacy rather than 15? Oh, most definitely. The same way it's good to use one primary care doctor <laughs> and not have your cardiac specialist or your pulmonary specialist do all of your medical coordination or all of your medical problems, uh, but to have your family practice doctor, your internist, your geriatrician um, be there to be aware of what all you're taking and the same way to use one pharmacist. One pharmacy, the pharmacists are usually quite good about saying, oh, these two medications don't interact very well. And, and and that's a critical point. I mean, they they will know everything you're taking. So if they have to coordinate, if they're a CVS and they have to coordinate with Rite Aid, th- there's going to be communication issues there, and probably not sharing of data through HIPAA, whatever. Uh, they may not be able to share that information. But if it's in one pharmacy, it's right in their database, and hopefully you'll build a relationship with one or more of the pharmacists in the area. And and uh, you know they they will bring up those red flag count more easily, correct? Uh, they will, yes, and, and that is their job. And they will also contact you, the physician, to say, you know, I think there's a there's a particular might be a particular problem here to help be your your be their advocate as well. Um, and and I also remind people, people sometimes in in my neck of the woods here tend to not to want to ask questions. And I had one recent lady was saying, but you know, this pharmacist gave me a new pill, and I said, what do you mean by that? She said, well, I've been taking this drug for the past four years, and the color changed. And I said, well, did you ask him? No, I just didn't know. So I small world. I come at the same day. This lady comes to say, uh, pharmacist? And I said, did you ask the pharmacist? He says, no, but I will now because you reminded me. So sure enough, and then the, uh, the company came up with a new color for this particular, uh, medication. And, and, you know, it was quite interesting. I didn't know they can change their colors and their shapes and their sizes. I thought once it's there, it's there. But I even learned something new. Um, well, what I'm, what I'm seeing a lot is with the formularies that, uh, the lowest bidder you know the the different um, oh lovely yeah drug companies uh, have lower bidders and then you're going to get different shapes and colors. Um, I think that it's important uh, that we question the doctor about whether we still need them, and then also you know pharmacists can be really quite helpful. But there's sometimes when the pharmacist goes beyond 
knowing about the medications and makes the recommendations in the doctor's scope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there are sometimes when they'll listen to the you know symptoms of someone who has behavioral issues and dementia and make recommendations. And I think it's important that you know we it, it takes a village to take care of uh, our elders and that we all practice within our scope. Well, you know that's particular. That is definitely true. The the I've got many questions to ask you. Again, uh, I'm, thank you for coming on today's show. But one of the most frequent questions that I have that have of me that I want to ask you is: uh, there, there's so much confusion out there about generic and non-generic prescription medications. What is your opinion on those? You know, I my opinion has changed in the last month. Um, <laughs> the last I, month, Doc. That's pretty well, so pretty big revelation here. Okay, it, it actually is. So I am, you know, have never had to think about my health. I've been lucky until I guess I got a chronic sinus infection, which I didn't pay attention to it for oh five or six months. You know, non-compliant patient, Uh-oh. and so I went and I was given a medication called clarithromycin from my doctor's office and he had given me a 500 milligram tablet and it was making me so sick I tried to cut it in half and just take half because it's also a twice a day medication Um, and I couldn't do that so I went and I bought some from the local Costco you know the Costco's got good prices so (laughs) I just paid out of pocket for it and it didn't make me quite as sick it still made me sick but I was like wow that's a big difference so, generics, I, I'm a firm believer of them. I think that brand names are, you know, it's like buying Nikes when something like New Balance sneakers will work just fine. Um, but occasionally, there is a difference. So, what I would say for elders is if you feel something, you know, if, if you're having new symptoms and you started a new drug, the drug is the number one suspect until proven otherwise. So I have, I you know, I don't think about my health very much, but I have been just sick and nauseated and tired from just taking antibiotics for the last month. And I've lost seven pounds. And I was thinking, well, I'm, you know, I'm a basic robust adult. What if I was 80 years old? You know, this could really turn me upside down. And that's only one medication. Whoa. I think the other thing that's really important is to let the doctor know when you're having new symptoms and hopefully... The doctor can correlate the symptoms um, that you're having with the medication as opposed to giving you a new drug to treat those symptoms. <laughs> and that's and that's a good point because some of these particular medi- any medication has a, a list and list of possible side effects, possible symptoms, or problems. You know, most of us like me won't read that fi- very small print. And uh, but you know, if we we come up with something like that, we need to let people know, not just hold it and say, well, it may go away. If it doesn't, it doesn't go away in in a, in, a, in a day or so. It's probably pretty critical. So um, you're yeah. great, great advice there. Great advice. And the and again, I appreciate you joining us today. You're quite educational, and looking forward to having you as a future guest on our show. You were quite informative for me, and I know all of my listeners out there in Radio Land. Uh, I'm going to mention her website is www.elderconsult. That's elder e l d e r c o n s u l t dot com. Again, thank you, Doctor, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you. Have a great day, ma'am. Thank you.
We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears, Turning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep Deal. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Kaligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel. Thank you for listening to our show today. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy of the Best of Times at one of our 522 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Kaligas, wishing you and yours the best of times, both today and every day. Have a great day. You've been listening to the best of times on 710 Keel. Join us again next Saturday at 9 for the best of times. This is News Radio 710 Keel, K E E L, Shreveport Mosier.